Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to Hollywood RX. The doctors are in. Doctors D and G, that is. How are you, Dr. D? I am bursting. Bursting, I tell you. Whoa. <laughs> oh, he is. He is indeed. Well, it's understandable because tonight we're going to be talking about Bridger Vision. That is the <laughs> dual phenomena... Phenomena, phenomena. Dot dee The streaming phenomena. There you go. Uh, of that is Bridgerton, and WandaVision, two perhaps polar opposite shows, but there you are. Yeah, they really uh, do not share uh, much DNA in common. No, at all. Although they both have women. <laughs> That's true. That's true. At the center. <laughs> at the center. So let's, uh, I say let's start with Bridgerton. Yes. That works for you. Well, listen, I had, I had seen little ads or whatever for it, but I, it was not on my radar as something I was planning to watch until somebody we both know said, watch Bridgerton. And so uh, I'd like to hear your sort of, your first take on, on Bridgerton. What was it that had you watching it and had you tell me? Well, hold, 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 slow down, buddy. <laughs> did you did you finish Bridgerton? I absolutely did. Okay, here we go. Uh, speaking about the show generally, mm -hmm. uh, it's probably as as hyperactive a period piece as one could see, um, and yet it wasn't. Let me put it to you like this. For me, this movie was like Baz Luhrmann turned down from 11 to 4. <laughs> it was this same collision of like past-ish, present-ish, kind of mixed together. Sure. Um, now, when you reference Baz Luhrmann, are you talking about Moulin Rouge? Yes. And maybe a little bit of the uh, Romeo and Juliet. or Didn't he do that? Correct. Absolutely correct on both accounts. Uh, I didn't see Great Gatsby. Oh, you know what? I saw that too. But I gather it's sort of in the same... You're absolutely right. Lerman verse. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, it, it kind of falls in with with that genre, if you will. Right. But... Um, but diluted. Not being... Not... Yeah, yeah. Definitely a little watered down. Um, that is, until we get to episode six... <laughs> Okay. Or was it seven? I don't know. Um, really? Okay. I mean, I did, well, I did see it, and I spent the whole time wondering. I should explain. I should explain, ladies and gentlemen. I was a captive audience for this show. Uh, my wife wanted to watch it. Who was I to leave the company of my wife? So I sat through it and was taking all kinds of notes just in case we did a show about it. Um, and okay, pre-Victorian romance social class etc etc except this one's got a twist because apparently there was no uh there were no racial issues to uh to preclude blacks from having nobility uh or even being the queen uh yet i found this uh to be just about as hollow as could be wow yeah okay until that episode six. <laughs> I hope it is actually episode six. But um, spoiler alert, everybody. Um, this this movie goes from Emma to Ron Jeremy in uh, without completely without warning. No, from Emma to Emmanuel. If you remember your 70s softcore porn. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> Yes, that's perfect. That's perfect. I wouldn't have gotten there if you hadn't said Emma, but that's fantastic. Well, <laughs> there you have it. Um, once it started going into uh, where do you touch yourself places, yeah. uh, that's when I realized that I need to bring Dr. <laughs> D into this I one. needed to be looped into this shameful mess. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Uh, so, so, so there you have it, laid okay. bare, so to uh, speak, from me. Why don't you, uh, why don't you pick up? Okay. This ball well, and <clears throat> make it flow. Um, yeah, you. Uh, 
so from my side, also with a wife, and you had indicated that she might enjoy it because your wife was enjoying it to a greater or lesser extent. Yeah, it's the wives genre. Yes. So we sat down to watch it, and she was um, uh, reluctant to participate for quite a while. And generally speaking, when I'm in those situations with her, I encourage her to officially say, you know what, I'm not interested in this. Watch it without me. And then I'm free to just get through with it, to just get to it and, and get through it. But she kept going, she kept complaining about it, but then not officially being willing to withdraw from it. Well, I want to see what happens with the this or with the that, whatever it might have been. And and I fell into that trap too, I have to confess. <laughs> and it paid off. So I was there dutifully because you had said, listen, you, I'm watching this, you might want to get on it, but this is before you had come to whatever the magic episode was. So then at some point I got a text from you that just went, you have to watch Bridgerton. I was like, oh my God, something's going to happen. And I spent a long time watching and wondering, I, have I gotten there? Have I gotten there? Is it, did, did the thing happen yet that matters? And then something happens <laughs> and I went, oh, is this it? <laughs> is this what we're going to talk about on our, on our family-friendly show with a little cursing? Is this a teenager and, uh, and, the, and her, her self-pleasure? Among other things. Um, yes. Yes. And in fact, you know what? Wait, let me stop you right there because sure. I'm very glad you brought this up because <laughs> by the time that scene comes along, yeah. you kind of forget that technically she is a teenager. Right. Right. Well, yeah. She's like I mean, 16, I don't... 17. Right. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, but. Yeah, you see, I'm there's not. There's an adult male who's guiding her through the process. I'm not always clear on how old she is supposed to literally be, but uh, you know, it's from a it's from a book, and I'm sure that in the book they make it pretty clear. But she seems like, I mean, they all seem to be coming out as debutantes, which I'm assuming happened around the age of 16 or 17 when they're being presented to the society. As I understand it, yeah, it's somewhere yeah. in that that area. Right. Um, all of them except for Eloise, that is. Eloise was odd. Well, she was supposed to be the a younger sister, but she was played by an actress who was older than Clearly older. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was throwing um my wife off completely. She kept yelling at the screen. How old is that person supposed to be? She's the younger oh, one? Oh yeah. No, it was I mean, this is this is not any uh judgment on her on her acting. Uh, in this or anything no, not else, at all. I, but she's I, I, a terrible casting choice. She's uh, Daphne. Daphne is supposed to be 21 years old. No, she's played by a, Oh, Daphne's supposed to be 21? Yeah, hmm. played by a 25-year-old. Well, it still doesn't help that they have a 30-year-old play her younger sister. No, that, that's a separate issue. Going back to just how old is this yeah. person oh, okay. supposed to be. So, okay. yeah, I mean, you and I probably... She's got a deeper voice than most men I know. <laughs> She wears like three raincoats in every scene because I guess she's got to cover up what must be a hella adult body. But... Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah. So yeah, presumably she she is, uh, you know, twenty or nineteen or you know eighteen at the most. But uh, she did not uh, come off that way. Um, so it, let's not get too sidetracked into that into episode six, which I actually think might have been episode five. But certainly that's that breaks. That breaks a wall for them creatively uh, or whatever. That breaks a, they've crossed a line there because then there's a ton of sex in the coming episodes. Um, uh, and, and fairly, you know, I'm going to say graphic, but I don't necessarily mean that you're seeing things. I mean, you see a lot yeah. of chest and some butt and legs, but... You know, there's a lot of wide shots, discreetly taken enough, wide shots. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> I said, not enough. Not enough. Right, right. Not enough. And and it's not just that character. There are other people who are also involved in libidinous things. Yeah. So um, so I, I do wonder if I would have continued watching if I wasn't sort of doing it for the show or doing it for you so we could have this conversation. Um Okay, so I think that's the beginning of my my overview of it, which is that I was it was recommended and I watched it sort of uh, as a as a responsibility rather than a than a pleasure. Yeah, uh, and and I don't know about you. How do you how are you generally with Victorian dramas, Victorian romance? I think I'm okay. I will be mentioning something later 
that okay. I would say, watch this, not that. Okay, as as might I, as might um, I. So, but um, yeah, you, I, you, I, I I tend to be like a part-time yeah. Victorian fan, but um, you know, usually whatever's like the really popular thing, like Downton Abbey or right, something like right. that. It it just always I, seems to be geared for women, mm-hmm. and. I never got into Downton Abbey or The Crown, although I've had many people tell me to watch The Crown. People who I trust, essentially, but I now have to question my trust of them. I don't know. I, I will. I'm more interested in The Crown as something that happened. You know, the earlier seasons had to do with much more historic royalty. Now they're at a season where they're dealing with Diana, and I just don't want to watch. I have no interest in, in yeah. coming... The, the closer you get to now with the royals, the more kind of embarrassing the whole thing and squalid the whole thing becomes. So, um, but like, you know, in, in my day, I watched, you know, uh, Dangerous Liaisons, Liaisons Dangerous, or, and, and uh, that's the, right. you know, various uh, versions of that that came out. And, and, you know, I saw those things in theaters. I wasn't shying away from them then. Not that that's necessarily Victorian, but it feels kind of ish. And, you know, 1970s, Three Musketeers, you know, and the Four, four Musketeers. But um, so I'm not opposed to wigs and swords and, and stuff like that. But let's 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 tighten back up here a little bit. You had said before you brought up Baz Luhrmann and a couple of his films that you felt like. And then I said watered down. I think it's been watered down sort of almost by Gossip Girl or it's been watered down by hmm. by like a she's all that. Like a 1980s or early 90s teen high school, the 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 football star yeah. and the and the and the outcast girl from the quirky clique make a pact to pretend to be dating each other because each will get some benefit from that, and then they don't realize they're going to fall in love. You could just completely take the plot of this and put it in a in an 80s um, high school rom com, yeah, and it would be it would work. So. We are not the audience here, much as I don't think we were really the audience for uh, uh, WW84 <laughs> for Wonder Woman. Right. Uh, what this actually reminded me of a lot yeah. was um, Marie Antoinette, Sofia mm. Coppola's movie. That's interesting. I did not, did not see it, but I... Because I, it, it, to me, it had that level of past invaded by the present right. feeling. Well, and, and you're saying invaded by the present, but really where the invasion of the presence comes in, the present comes in for me in this, is in the music. Yes. Which is string quartets playing pop songs that have been re Like Ed Sheeran and Billie Eilish. I caught the Billie Eilish. I didn't yeah. get the, the others, though. But I was um, sitting next to somebody who kept going, this is a real song. This is a song from something. What is it? And I'm like, you're asking the wrong guy. Um. I'd very, barely know Billie Eilish if it was Billie Eilish, unless it was that one that was everywhere that you couldn't avoid. But I don't even think that the... I mean, I think that they're doing something almost interesting here with their racial theme, or however you want to call it. But I don't feel like that's modern times interacting either, because there would be riots in the streets if this, well, if what goes on here was going on if it goes well, on in this ask you movie this. we're going on today, what? Well, well let me ask you this: um, what What exactly is the 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 comment the commentary that it's making with having a fully integrated racial makeup? Because frankly, this is one of my my chief complaints with this thing is mm-hmm. I I don't feel like it it really has anything to the gimmick is not saying anything. I agree with you completely. I think they have taken something that feels or feels like it could be pitched as kind of avant-garde or revolutionary or kind of startling in its approach, but that actually doesn't really have any substance underneath it. They're basically yeah. going, basically they say that King George, known for his madness, by the way, took a took a shine to a black woman we don't know what her provenance is but we can only assume that it was that prior to his marrying her um 
there was a class structure. Maybe there was never any class structure, but he marries her. And then suddenly that opens the doors because because the king is being open-minded about it. It forces everyone else to be open-minded about it. And consequently, we have a much fuller integration. But there's also just a complete zero presence of any kind of of racism or bigotry or otherism going on. So it's, it's well beyond just being accepted. It's that there's no kind or of... Or there's also, as I recall, um, and I hope I'm not putting my foot in my mouth now, but I don't recall um, seeing any influence of a black culture anywhere. Right. Nothing, nothing integrated from Africa too. or whatever. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it's basically like they've integrated British-born blacks. Yes. And because, I mean... Really, if we're talking about that time period, um, the queen that he marries should have like a Jamaican or a Haitian accent. <laughs> right, right. Uh, listen, I understand. <clears throat> I feel like they went for, look, I guess we need to stop and say this was executive produced or it comes under the umbrella of Shonda Rhimes, who is mm-hmm. an incredibly successful African, mm-hmm. African-American female TV producer, creator, showrunner, entity. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I I can't even think of like if I were to compare it to another person like that. It, it just Tyler ends Perry. up being Tyler Perry would be an example for the blackness. Or um, <clears throat> oh gosh, who was it who did? Uh, shame on me. Who was it who did um, Glee? Um, who who has himself gone on to do you know a ton, ton, ton of other. Um, creating other shows, um, American Horror Story, things like that. Um, his name is, this is so sad. Listen, you cut all this out. Ryan Murphy, his name is Ryan I Murphy. I usually do, <clears throat> Ryan Murphy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ryan Murphy, who has then gone on to create a bunch of other stuff. Um, and so in a way, he is pushing, he is opening doors and knocking over barriers uh, surrounding uh the LGBT plus community, LGBTQ plus community Mm -hmm. in maybe in a way that is comparable to what Shonda Rhimes and Tyler Perry are doing in their respective communities. Um, Not that there should even have to be all these different sort of communities or whatever. So uh, all props go to her. She has a tremendous track record. And if she wants to experiment with what if you had a situation where with regards to race in some way, I give her full leeway to do that. And since she's making the show not for us old fart stick in the muds, but for people between the ages of 13 or 15, let's hope 15, 13 is a little too young for some of the smut that goes on here, uh, 15, which is probably also still too young, to 25-year-olds, mm. um, essentially my kids, who are less um, restricted in their thinking about who needs to be what than we are even as kind of liberal and open-minded as we are, we still have some of those, I think of it like tracks in mud that we're still stuck in some of those ruts. Mm-hmm. You know, every once in a while, I'll hear, I'll hear a word like asshole on the radio, like the regular radio. And I'll go, you could say asshole on the radio? Well, yeah, we're not in 1970 anymore, you old man. We've gone way past that, but there's still a hardwired into me, some of this, this yeah. stuff. Who listens to radio anymore, old man? <laughs> fair that is fair um yeah the fm dial has has modernized has it (laughs) so shonda shonda rhymes is has opened up the the you know the sandbox and is is playing around here a little bit and i think it would have been nice if they had added a little bit more um depth to that exploration but it feels like a very surface you know but it's interesting surface thing yeah it's interesting because before before we had the reveal of King George. Yes. Which I believe is like three or four episodes in. It takes a little while. Yeah. So for that first, you know, I, I'm just thinking of this as some alternate universe where England, right. where, you know, black and white people grew up out of the soil in England and magically loved each other all along. Right. Got so now there's just class stuff to deal with. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, but then King George committed. But it didn't occur to me that that all started the the the, the racial equality 
just to use a convenient term for what yeah. we're, what the show's putting forth. Um, it didn't occur to me that that started when he took her in as a queen. Uh, there is a line somewhere in three or four episodes in before you actually see him. Mm. But maybe the first episode where they reference him. Um, the actress who always struck me, uh, who was the one who played Catwoman on the old Batman show? Stephanie Powers? No, 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 no. No. Um, this is just shameful. I got to see how Batman comes into this. Eartha Kitt. She was Catwoman. I thought you said Batwoman. No. Anyway. Speaking of old man. <laughs> Cut it all out. Cut it all out. Um, there was uh, the, the one who was like the confidant, the local confidant of the Duke, uh, the, the African-American woman. Well, not mm-hmm. American, African-British, whatever you call it. She reminded me a lot of Eartha Kitt. Everything she sort of purred and growled all her lines and all of that. Not the queen, you mean? The, Not the queen. The other person. No, uh, she had a line where facially... she said, she had a line where she said, sorry, she had a line where she said, um, when he chose to marry one of us, it changed everything or words to that effect. Uh... And you didn't even really know what who she was talking about or what she was talking about, but eventually it becomes clearer. Okay, well, that actually <clears throat> torpedoes one of another criticism of mine. Oh, that I'm actually sorry. shoots an arrow through the through the, the <laughs> through the heart of it, high altitude balloon, <laughs> and sends me crashing to the earth. Well, I'm very sorry about that. That's okay. There, there is a moment where they reference, or a couple of times where there's a reference of Mozart. Mm. And since I was thinking that this was just like the Barry Lyndon Bizarro world, yeah, I was saying i was livid inside because i'm like no you can't create an alternate universe where there's there are differences like that going on but mozart still wrote everything he wrote right because if england's like that its relationship with the world is different austria is different mozart's life is different right you you can't have sort of real-time pop culture references don't work if you're changing what culture looks like or, or historical references, right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but cultural yeah, references at that time. Right, but Mozart is not just a historical reference. He's also essentially a pop culture reference within that history. Right, right. All right, so here's something that kind of kind of bugs me a little bit, is that they've, mm-hmm. they've taken this sort of, you know, what may be viewed or received as some sort of audacious step to eliminate, you know, considerations of race in this society based on our own real society. But then they went ahead and took full advantage of class separation and all of the evil that goes along with that. That's just as toxic as the other as the other. Right. Um, and, and maybe possibly arguably more so or at least equally. And so I sort of feel like you can't kind of be innovative in the one side and, and non-evative in the other side or unevative in the other side. Uh, I sort of feel like maybe there should have been some sort of... Um, through line that that challenged that or questioned that in some way um because the whole point of everybody we're looking at is they are well off and they have servants and they have people who take care of them not all the servants are black you know some of them are irish or whatever yeah (laughs) so (laughs) so um uh anyway but they're all very pretty and a lot of them look great with their shirts off even the fellas and you know what hey if it if it if it has you know, if, if it has young nubiles learning to touch themselves across the country, across the world, well, then more power to who it. Who am I to say no? Yeah, who am I to complain? Right, exactly. Um, so I would say, um, you know, it's it's a it's a pleasant diversion, but there's not a lot of um, substance there, even when they feel like they're being substantive. Just even their view of what marriage is. That, that, that first few weeks of their marriage makes me want to wring both their necks. Oh, well, it's, it's, it, it, it's completely a, a present mentality that, that's, that's controlling that viewpoint. I mean, you, you had said this in, in when we talked about Wonder Woman was, was diversity yeah. for diversity's sake. And that's basically what I think this comes down to. Okay. Um, but as far as like the, the, the marriage thing goes, I think that was a perfect example of like, that's how perhaps relationship that's how 
That's how people interact with each other now. That is not how they interacted with each other 200 years ago in England. Right, right. And this is what I meant before about sort of the, 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 the invasion of the present into the past. Okay. Is that there's a... It's one thing to have these people be comfortable because they thought of themselves as contemporary. Um, certainly, you know, you want to say, well, you had to be very mannered in public, but behind closed doors, these people were frolicking and rollicking and whatnot. Right. Um, except that there's no divide here. Everyone, everyone behaves, speaks, mannerisms exactly the same way behind closed doors as on the street or in a ball or anything else. Mm-hmm. Speaking of a ball. Yes. I couldn't understand, first of all, A, why the queen just always shows up places, and B, why there isn't more fanfare that the queen has shown up. There are like two or three parties where it's like you turn around, oh, she's just sitting there with some people. <laughs> it's like, well, is there a class divide or isn't there? Is there royalty or isn't there? Right. Well, they, you know, people needed invitations to attend some of these things. But I wouldn't imagine that if the queen showed up to an event, they would just let her in or she would begin. She would be sent invitations to every event in the hopes that she would turn up because that would elevate your your thing. Right. Right. I feel like I've run out of steam on on this, except to say that, um, uh, you know, speaking of the queen, I did actually like that actress a lot. So many times when she didn't speak, she reminded me of Wanda Sykes. Yes, I was going to say that. I was going to try to get a laugh out of you. Hoping that she was going to open her mouth and it was going to be Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes. Jefferson. Uh, That's fantastic. (laughs) I'm doing Louise Jefferson. Yeah, there's a. George! Right? There's. Okay, here's the thing, though. Listen, everything else aside, costumes are gorgeous and the wigs Mm -hmm. are insane. And there's there's one I never thought she looked more like Wanda Sykes than when she had that non-period inspired afro wig where the hair was like two feet out. The queen. Yeah. yeah, I liked her a lot. I'd like to see her in other things. Her name is Golda uh, Rochevelle, I think, and I liked her a lot. I'd like to see some other stuff she's been. And I also did, in all fairness, I did really like the actress. Um, playing the sister who we were both lamenting was too old um uh, who was playing eloise claudia jesse i just liked her i thought she was charming and interesting under that um that's so funny i i i predict that she grows up to be uh the next judy dench she just has that that kind of delivery where uh, well i guess it's everything's resigned to that Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chase down some other we work should. that she's done. Okay. But uh, yes, um, in her 35, 40 years of life on this planet. Right. Um, so that was that was that show, and now. Yeah, I, th- I think it's. I think it's gotten more more than is it was then due. it's due yeah it i know just, i know it was it was just uh yes there is the 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 shock of the uh sexual turn that the show takes <laughs> uh but but you know i mean i don't watch game of thrones i hear that's got some some heat it in does it. but this... maybe they're all like this and it's just you know no, my no first this was time. this was uh this was unusually um unusual frank frank unusually frank yes there you go not explicit but frank um, frank yeah and so now we're moving on to WandaVision, which is kind of the reverse, which was that I watched this with uh, my wife because my my 22-year-old son said, you guys have to watch this. And so then in, we watched it, and then in turn, I, I, I got a hold of you and said, listen, we want to talk about this show a little bit. Um, and so I, and I didn't do that because I hated it. I didn't I didn't say, hey, listen, spend time looking at this because I thought you'd be <laughs> you'd be miserable the whole time. Um, and, I, you know, to be fair up front, we need to tell everybody that nobody in WandaVision, at least as far as the first two or three episodes is concerned, nobody masturbates on or off camera that I'm aware uh, yeah, of. Yeah. You know, now I'm, I'm just expecting it in every <laughs> right. every show. Right. I think be Citizen Kane should have had more masturbation. Jeopardy. Yeah, no, I, I want you. Um, you, you 
<laughs> so at the bar. Right. So high. So WandaVision is to sort of set it up for people, although I have a feeling that, that anyone listening to us may already have a good idea, um, is focusing on two characters who are from the the Marvel universe. Um uh, both both of these characters did appear in. Oh, I'm not going to remember the names of those Marvel movies. Can you remember any of them? Let me just quickly look. The Avengers. Yes, Avengers. Any and one of the seven or eight Avengers movies. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron and Infinity War. Um, oh, sure, Age of Ultron because they reference Ultron in it. Exactly. So. Endgame. Many of these things. So, uh, and they are secondary or tertiary characters i would say in that in those in that universe and in fact wanda is actually really an x-men character but eventually once disney got a hold of all of these different entities and all these different universes things are going to start to maybe be blended together a little bit more have a less of a division between them in any case, um, it focuses on the two on her character Wanda, and on Paul Bettany, who plays a character named Vision. And if God, everyone's just going to be rolling their eyes when they hear me try to explain this. But uh, Vision is the sort of personification of a uh, computer software, I believe, and so he is in and of himself sort of like a cyborg. Um, and I think that's probably all you need to know about him to sort of step into this and we are following their their lives as young newlyweds but episode per episode they are uh sending up or giving a nod of a cap to in these 30 minute episodes different uh classic uh sitcoms uh particularly ones that have married couples and family life depicted and I think that's all I'll say, and then I will turn it to you and and ask you, how much did you know about any of that going in, and were you in catch-up mode the whole time? I knew that it was uh, something Marvel-related. Yes, marvelous. And that, and that was it. Okay. And, uh, you know, anyone, any of our regular listeners, anyone who's listened to two episodes or more... <laughs> Knows two things about this show. One is that Dr. D cannot remember names and that Dr. G is not a comic book movie person. Mm -hmm. So Dr. G was a little baffled why Dr. D was urging him yes. to watch this. Because frankly, I mean, it's not until uh, that, is it episode three, when that character says... Uh, Wait, your brother was killed by Ultron. Yes. That was literally the first time where I realized, oh, this is like a spin-off of one of the other one of the movies and uh, okay. 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 Um so until then I was just absolutely mystified. Right. Um I frankly, the yeah. thing that that I'm sure you find the most charming is the thing that is driving me most insane about it okay which is why is the format like an old television show well because they make references as if their characters on that show know that they're on a show right <laughs> I'm, i you're the level of your bewilderment is uh is delicious uh, and, and I shared a little bit of that. I guess it helps to have a 22-year-old son who lives and breathes all this stuff who you can talk to after you've seen uh, an episode or so. And can... So the whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking, like, you know, when they made TV shows back in the 50s, yes. you know, the three-camera setup and all that jazz, and I'm like, so are they superheroes in real life? Like, do they have special powers in real life? But... They made a show out of it at the time, or their only superpowers on their show, but not in real life. Wow. Okay, I can I, see I, that I was, you. I, I did you a great disservice when I sent you towards this. Well, first of all, I want to say that uh, three half hours of this this thing with you sitting there going, "Why am I watching this? Why did he tell me to watch this?" 
it still falls short of the four episodes of me watching an hour long Bridgerton going, why am I watching this? What am I waiting oh, for? Oh, no, no, no. I, 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 I was fully confident. It, it, it occurred to me at some point while I was watching them. It occurred to yeah. me. He, he obviously told me to watch this before he came up to episode six in Bridgerton. <laughs> and it's payback with a vengeance. Not a vengeance. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I figured you were going there for sure. No, there was no spite in it, but I can see how there was a misfire between us. Um, uh, basically, my son said, I'm watching the show and I'm loving it because I know all about the MCU. And so I'm totally into what's happening in the show, he said. But I don't know anything about the history of sitcoms, my son says to me. So you yes. watch it so you can tell me about the old stuff and I'll watch it so I can tell you about the newer stuff. And what we're missing here, what you're missing in your processing of it is a 22-year-old who knows what the fuck is going, ostensibly going on in the actual thing you're watching. So okay. here's what I will say now. We sort of launch into a, a slightly more proper breakdown of it or whatever and, uh, and probably not linger on it as long as we did the previous one. but That was all foreplay for for this. This is the well, real meat. sort of, but I, I'm guessing that, that, that you basically it left you flat, and I can understand why it would. I feel a little guilty about uh, turning you onto it. But this is, a sh this is one of those shows where there is, in big, you know, in quotation marks, something going on. Yes. Um, and so if you know, you know, Wanda and you know uh, Vision and you sort of have some sea legs there, you're not quite as lost about it. They are, they are a couple, or they became a couple in the MCU. Well, I mean, I, like I said, I, like I gathered they had special powers. They made that right. clear up front. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is yeah. that is that these these episodes are there's something going on because that's not their lives. They're, we're not seeing them in any way that represents how they have been depicted in the MCU previously. And so you have to sort of take a bunch of little clues and say there's something going on here and try to piece things together. So you, you kind of do need to know about both a little bit, but really you need to know about the MCU, um, which I don't fully. But let's start with the fact that it's called WandaVision, which is her name and his name put together. Yes. But it, but it could also be taken, if you think about what you're watching, that she seems to, it, it seems to be focused on her. She is the and main... That she's going to be realizing whatever's happening she's right going to be and so it, it is out. in some ways it is a vision perhaps that she's having are we in a dream of hers are we in some sort of hallucination that she's having or words to, uh, ideas to that effect so the vision has a meaning there then they've taken it again and they said well vision as in television so they're they're sort of balling all those ideas together and um and so this, the, the supposition I'm making, some of this is with the help of my son, some of it's not, is that she is in some sort of uh, medically induced something. She's in a coma. She's in a situation where she is not fully in charge of her own mind and actions. And that she, this is uh, a tantamount to a, to a living dream of hers. And it is taking the form of shows that she watched on television as she was growing up. Okay. Because the first episode was very clearly the Dick Van Dyke show. It was very clearly the Dick Van Dyke yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, I got that. He carries her in, his new bride, he carries her to the door, and he almost trips over a low chair, which is Ottoman-like, very similar to the opening credits of Dick Van Dyke. They, they, and I believe uh, they, they reference uh, the pants that she's wearing. and the, uh, She's wearing the Dick those Van Dyke show, Mary Tyler Moore. The Capri was... pants, yeah. Right. The, 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 the physical set itself is not a, not a rip-off, but an echo of the Dick Van Dyke living room set with a kitchen through these, you know, shutters that open up and a swinging door there with the entrance yeah. to the house on the left. It's, it's laid out in the same way. Um, so you, I, I, I liked how in episode three, the house is like a mirror image of the Brady house. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so you have, you have, um, you have that going on. I also watching the first episode, I tweaked on, um, I love Lucy because she has a kooky neighbor yeah. and there were often misunderstandings that occurred between husband and wife. Um, and the, at first episode has a lot of, you know, he's bringing the boss home for dinner, but she thinks it might be their anniversary, which is why they, the, it was an important date on the calendar, but neither one of them knew why it was important and lots of hilarious fun to be had there. Um, 
And so in terms of bringing the boss home from the office, that is very much a bewitched thing that happened all the time on Bewitched. Bewitched was a witch. And Dick Van Dyke. And yeah. Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, but when the, when the boss would come home on the, from the office on Bewitched, it was usually a point of tension. And when, when worker, work, co-workers came home on the Dick Van Dyke show, came to the house it was often for a dinner party where they were dancing and singing together it usually wasn't a yeah that's true yeah you there would be no tension surrounding maury amsterdam coming over for dinner <laughs> it would if he was at my house but uh not there i thought that uh that Catherine hahn was kind of channeling well she was like the brassy the brassy friend you know what i mean um and eve mm-hmm. arden eve arden was the actress yeah. that came to mind like she's sort of channeling her there's an exterior shot of the house which you never saw in the um in the dick van dyke show that looked a little bit like the leave it to beaver type exterior house. shot yeah um and then i even thought of shows like third rock from the sun where there are aliens who are posing as normal people and we know that they're not normal mm. but the other people don't quite know that and so they seem odd to other people but not to each other and not to us um yeah. And then also I Dream of Jeannie just because of the witchcraft. I mean, Wanda is a telepath. Uh, so she's well, able to, to do move stuff. Yeah, you see, mind. that was and that was another thing that I kind of had issues with was that they uh, they established powers for her such that none of the calamity, the ensuing calamities should ever have happened. If that she can just correct. say, wait a minute and do yes. like a little rewind and yes. someone doesn't pop out of a manhole and. It's like, well, then... Agreed. Absolutely agreed. But here's the thing. Here's the beauty of that to me. The beauty of that is that was 100% true of Bewitched and 100% true of I Dream of Jeannie. Either of those two female characters could have just course-corrected everything and there would never have been a problem. And yet they didn't. The problems occurred. Well, you know, uh, Samantha Stevens isn't supposed to use her magical powers. And so Elizabeth Montgomery can't solve it that way. She has to she has to do it the old fashioned way. But then she sneaks in a little magic to get it over the edge. So uh, your, your complaint is absolutely accurate and true. It's it's part of what makes it all the more a perfect representation of those shows to me. Because because they brought those structural flaws with them. Yes. Yes. In the because they would be though they would be part of her mind. It would be a substructure, part of the DNA of it. Um, the second episode well, I, absolutely starts with a bewitched opening shot parody. There's a, you know, someone flying, maybe not on a broomstick, but there's a night sky and then stars light up as she sort of sweeps, mm-hmm. sweeps past them. And then that episode has, um, a lot of bewitched feelings in it, um, as well. And that has, I to, felt like they yeah, sorry. No, 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 no good. Uh, I also say, I felt like they j- you just said go ahead. I did. Um, it seemed to me like 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 they they kind of jumped through the seventies pretty quickly. I mean, they're gonna what? We're we gonna have Cosby sweaters by episode five. I mean, I think so. I think so. I mean, I mean, I'm interested to see what other shows they're going to lampoon and send up within the context of this other thing. I am interested to know what is going on here. Um, there were a couple of other references that started to click for me. Uh, one was the Truman Show. This idea that- Yeah, that I thought of that too. Some characters seem to know that they're in in a show or in a performance of some kind, while right. the main people don't seem to fully understand it. Right, I, I thought of the Truman Show too, for that for that very reason. Right. Uh, with the neighbor next door and the chainsawing, and then when he says, look, we're right. all here because- it was. It was also bewitched where um, one week it was black and white and the next week it was color. It was one of the shows that went from black and white to color, not in a single episode, as happens here in the second episode. But that more formally, f- firmly anchors it as a bewitched um, nod to me. Uh, Gilligan's Island I think was it's the third one. episode that's color, isn't it? Say that what? Isn't the third episode in color? The third is, but it starts in black and white, episode one. In episode right. two, it goes two. from black and white to color in much the same way that the show Bewitched hmm. made that transition I, from black and white to color. You seem uh, unimpressed. Ha- having, having colored objects in the black and white frame uh, also reminded me of Pleasantville. Absolutely. That was what I was going to get to next. Um, Which, in fact, I think is, uh, well, without the superhero element, it's... 
I, I feel like like it, it does a better job with this yeah television this this world that exists in the universe of television right right um between truman show and pleasantville you start to get a a broader sense there's something going on here that she's not fully aware of the thing that was in color in the beginning was some sort of helicopter that had a symbol of one of the villainous organizations the like thing. The, yeah, 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 yeah. The their version of um, Spectre, like from the James Bond series. Um, right. And um, oh, I lost it. It flew through my head. I also thought of the monsters at one point, just that kind of fish out of water. Everyone's reacting to us one way, but we don't see ourselves that way. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, that third episode was very Brady in a, in a lot of ways. Although I was getting a Peggy Lipton vibe from uh, from Elizabeth Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, no, no Elizabeth Elizabeth Olson. Is it Elizabeth Olson. Yeah. Um, so at the very end of episode three, it looks like you know, like someone's fallen through some portal that brings yes. them to some somewhere else, some of the universe, and uh, and not only did that. Um, did I start to immediately lose interest? But it also reminded me of, uh, I don't know if you remember it, but there was a J.J. Abrams show called Fringe. Yes, yes. Which after a certain point, after two or three seasons started, people started hopping back and forth between... Between dimensions. The Bizarro universe and the real universe. and Right, yeah. right. Um, so... Uh, anyway, I find WandaVision kind of interesting. I want to see more of them just to see more of the lampooning they do and also just to learn a little bit more about what's supposed to be going on. Um, but uh, I certainly feel guilty for having sent you down this rabbit hole. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, look, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're, right? We're, yeah. You know, we talk about what, what we're watching. What, and, what's out there doesn't mean um, we don't have to like it. As long as we're talking about that show, I do want to do a quick shout out to Elizabeth Olsen and her performance in a movie called Martha Marcy May Marlene, um, which came out in 2011, about nine years ago. Uh, Sarah Paulson is in it and the uh, terrific John Hawks, who's in a ton of indies and he's just a really reliably good hmm actor he really delivers and it's um, basically uh, a woman who was involved in some sort of a, an abusive cult and she's trying to get out of and extricate herself from it but it's it's an independent film and it's done sort of in an understated way and it's uh, she hmm. is phenomenal in it she is eye-opening and amazing and I, I see her entering the the Marvel Universe as a terrific way for her to make her mortgage payments but she is capable of so much more as an actress. And I actually think in this show, a lot of that comes out. She does a phenomenal job in WandaVision hmm. of channeling Mary Tyler Moore, of channeling these different people without aping them, without, but yeah. little gestures, little expressions on her face, things she does with her hands. Mm -hmm. Just really, uh, I'm really impressed by her in general. And uh, Paul Bettany is an actor I like a lot. I don't really care for him in this context uh, in this show in particular, or in the the MCU. Uh, he was in Master and Commander, which I liked him in, but I think, wasn't he the best friend in uh, the Ron Howard movie, Beautiful Mind? He played Russell Crowe's best friend in that. And that's where I first remember like noticing him and going, oh, that guy, that's a guy to be on the lookout for. Hmm. Um, and then eventually he ended up in Iron Man as Jarvis, which was the voice of Robert Downey Jr.'s computer. He was the Siri, essentially. But then eventually Jarvis sort of morphed into Vision, which in a way that I can't fully understand or explain. Um, and Catherine Hahn is in this is in a supporting part, and she is always terrific. Do you know her? No. As Although I it's funny because when, I, when her name came up on the screen, I was like, oh, but what do I know her from? <laughs> right. Well, I don't want to just sort of go through her thing. She did a stint on Parks and Recreation. I'm not sure if that's a, a show you used to watch. Uh, it's hard I'm for me it. to figure out what you know her from. But she's uh, she's in a movie called A Guilty Pleasure of Mine called Bad Moms, um, <laughs> with uh, where she's one of three or four uh, friends who are bad moms. That is stars um, Mila Kunis, 
and Kristen Bell are two of the other moms. Um, she's just a, another really reliable sort of workhorse actress, and she's in a she's in a show I'm going to mention in a little bit called "I Know This Much Is True." Um, so she's someone. She's always she always delivers. She's 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 great like that, and we can be done with um, all of it. Yeah. Um, my, well, with my, three episodes, I mean, there really isn't that much to talk about. <laughs> but I'm glad you broke that down for me. What what is is the setup for for this WandaVision galaxy universe yeah. star system, whatever you want to call it. Because um, now it now it makes a little more sense to me, sort of what the why why it looks like an old television show. Right, I, right. That that was just baffling me so much that I, I <laughs> was almost not right. I understand. Yeah, no, I I realize now that you must have just been adrift in in what any of it meant. Uh, without all the different, like the old man in the sea, right? Um, they did. They did. I will say just that they consulted. They went. They went to people like Dick Van Dyke, and they said, "Okay, listen, walk us through. How did you used to make those shows? You know, break it down for us." So they put a lot of you know attention to detail in into um, how they built this uh, this creature. But so that's it's a thumbs up for me and a thumbs I don't know where for you. It's but, a thumb um, looking for a ride, a ride away from. Um, so let's uh, shift gears and just jump back to a couple of the ones we talked about the last time we had a sort of streaming episode. We talked about um, Fargo, yes. which was one I was turning you on to, and I think you'd only seen one or two episodes, and you were tepid. I would say you were tepid about it. Have you have you finished it? Yes. I finished season one. Yes. Oh, that's all I meant. Season one. Yeah. And I'll tell you the reason that I finished it. Like There was there's one very specific moment. Yes. It's going to sound quite funny. Um, but it was, mm-hmm. I think it's in episode four or five, um, but it's a song that they used. Um, it's when Oliver Platt is uh, taking a shower mm. and the water turns to blood. They use a, a song, a, a late 50s, early 60s exotica song by a guy <laughs> named Eden Abez. Not at all a song that you would expect to see in a movie, but it was brilliantly used. It, it had like this very drifty, tropical feel and this voice over it and all men are brothers and I slept on the beach. Made that scene. That's fantastic. Just the fact that they used it, I was like, wow, that's and a pretty that, impressive. And that kept okay. you tuned in. Yeah, as far as that first season plays out, um, it was mildly mildly entertaining um <laughs> yeah i uh, okay i'm not giving up on the show but that was not a very uh it was not a very exciting grab you see for me i was a hundred percent i i was already inclined to like it anyway but there was no turning back for me once uh once again the um <clears throat> who's the actor you just referenced uh platt Oliver Platt, when Oliver he Platt? finds the suitcase of money left behind in the feature, I just said, oh, yeah. motherfucker, I love that. I loved that. Funny, because yeah. what I loved was him returning it. <laughs> right. Like, he, like he, he feels right, right. that the gift must be returned. Right. That was brilliant. I just like, oh, I can't believe it. He's putting that fucking thing back. That's brilliant. That's really brilliant. I like that. I like that. I didn't dislike it by the end as much as I thought. There was certainly plenty of Billy Bob Thornton oh, okay. to satisfy me. Um, yeah, you know, the whole um, Colin Hanks and... Uh, Allison Tolman. Allison Tolman, Molly. Thing. Allison Tolman. Yeah. Um it was a little anticlimactic, okay. frankly. Um, having uh, uh, Billy Bob's character go out like that was a little, a little anticlimactic. But um, I, I liked um, Adam fun. Goldberg, it's basically, fun. and his sort of partner in crime. You didn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. No, I. It's fine. Right. I didn't like, but I thought it was. In, to me, it's an interesting choice to have. He just have a deaf character. I mean, you don't see it. 
You just don't regularly see it unless the whole no, thing don't. hinges on their deafness somehow. You know, um, what's that one with Alan Arkin and uh, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's? What's her name? I'm humiliating myself again. What? Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn, I believe, did a, a movie with. Uh, Are you talking about? No. Is that the heart is a lonely hunter? No, that is not. But is that I the liked, movie you're talking about? I like the guess. Let me see here. Wait until dark. Right. It stars Audrey Hepburn as a young blind woman and Alan Arkin as a violent criminal searching for drugs yeah. uh, with his one of his partners, Richard Crenna. She apparently has something in her apartment that they need, that yeah. they want. And she is blind, so they, they concoct reasons yes. to be in the in the apartment and search it while she's there. And there's just a lot of cat and mouse going on where the cat doesn't realize or the mouse doesn't realize there's a cat in the room. Uh, and it's from hmm. it's from a play by the same name. It does feel very much like a play since most of the action takes place in one of those downstairs base downstairs basements, probably in um Who directed it was directed by Terrence Sydney Terrence Poitier. Young no, and Sydney, produced by um, Mel Ferrar. And oh. also has Jack Weston in it. Yeah? I believe Terrence I believe Terrence Young did a couple of uh, James um, Bond movies from the Golden Period. You are probably right. Let's see. Um You know what? I don't see it popping up in the thing I'm looking at for him. Uh <sighs> No, no, you're no, right. You're right. I'm wrong. You're gonna have to cut this. Doctor No from Russia with Love. Goldfinger, basically yes. all of them, uh, yes. for your eyes only and never seen ever again. So right on, you are the man. God, I when I grow up, I when I grow up, I want to be did you. Never seen ever again. Um, that was uh, that was oh, good. Please. So anyway, I don't want to spoil season two. I, here's here's the good thing about this show: if you didn't like the characters in season one, they are all gone. You'll never see them again. I'll never but see them again. Season two Excellent. takes place in that world. Can't there is wait. one character, but unrecognizably so. Okay. If you just even watched the first episode, let me know. All right. And uh, I'd be keen to hear whether we do it on the air or not. Yes, we sometimes, Daddy and Mommy sometimes talk when the kids aren't listening. But not much. Yes, it's true. It's true. <laughs> That's true. There's not a lot of uh, chit-chat. But usually it's about setting up to do the show because we're afraid that one of us or the other of us might say something wonderful without a microphone on we just record all our conversations we should that's how i feel and just splice them in mm -hmm. exactly and i had the chance to finish queen's gambit after you so righteously introduced it to me um ah. i was i was a fan of it to begin with and i am even more so a fan now having seen the whole thing um she yes. is she is yes. uh, uh i can't take my eyes off uh that actress she's fantastic and i should do the right thing and just say anya taylor joy uh i can't look away from her and yeah uh, no she's fascinating and i had uh i had sort of teased the idea that um that i was hoping to see bill camp come back the the um uh yes <laughs> i kept thinking about that comment you made in the first show oh you don't make a series like you don't have uh you know bill camp a show like this just to right, have him right. be in exactly. half an episode yeah you do Apparently you do. Unless you're this show and you do exactly so, that. Yeah, he was uh, yeah. sadly didn't come back in person, but I feel justified or, or righteous about it anyway because he, he the character comes back in terms of reference and, and the importance that he played in her life is made a, a fairly big deal out of. Um, and I will just say, because I can't yeah. go like this, I like this and I like that and I like this because it's all just sort of a blur to me now. But um absolutely uh, thrilling to watch it i love the use of music throughout and somewhere in the middle there there's a french song that i immediately sent you i think a uh, a link to it's a dut, 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 dut. i didn't send you, you a link oh no you know what never mind i will but um daddy apparently is uh you know sharing with someone else <laughs> i think it was the aforementioned son instead of with mommy so it's okay. This is what editing's for. It's moments like these. There is a um, a singer named Gillian Hills who did a remake of a song called Tut, 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 Tut. T-U-T-T-U-T-T-U-T-T-U-T. She sings it in French. The original is not in French, but the Tut, 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 Tut is supposed to be the sound of a busy signal. Ah. Anyway, it's a really cool little song and the way they use it in the 
in the show when she's traveling abroad and playing games abroad was just really cool and fun. So I even dug that. And I usually don't even really notice or don't music doesn't tend to sink into my thick skull, but um, it definitely did there. And and then what did? Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go. Okay, my sort of last thing about it was I was absolutely enthralled during that last episode. I had never expected to be so wrapped up in a chess game. And I play a little bit of chess. I understand it well enough. My wife doesn't play it at all. And she was equally, you know, caught up in it. And how kind of the the characters that you've met throughout end up playing into that scene with her and, and being part of it, even though they're not actually there. Um I just was, I wanted to get up and cheer. It was like watching, uh, it was like watching The Longest Yard or like watching MASH and the football or Breaking Days Away. Days of Thunder. You know, the end of Breaking yeah. Away where you're, yeah, they did it, you know. Um, I, I it was, felt it was exalting. It was just terrific. And her clothes are phenomenal throughout. Her clothes are absolutely amazing. I was drooling <laughs> over uh, what she was wearing. So you were about to ask yeah, me something. Yeah, you know, it's funny because yeah. you, uh, well, though, you, you mentioned the, the costumes in uh, in Bridgerton, mm-hmm. and I I didn't say then, but I'm going to say now that uh, to me it's almost not impressive. <laughs> what you've got? What what a British show has got great costumes for the for the pre-Victorian period? Right, they fucking oughta. Right. Well, except all those. All if that, anyone's going to. Yeah, but all that stuff was made by hand for for Bridgerton. I mean, oh, look, okay. They had to make costumes for one woman. In, in Queen's Gambit, and they did a phenomenal job, like a purely memorable yes. job. Um, but for that other one, they had to, I mean, I'm sure a bunch of it was off the rack, but some of the things, those, uh, you know, the woman with the three sisters, I call them the evil stepsisters, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Pe- yes. Penelope's family, those costumes, they weren't buying that out of a shop. They were making those um, yeah, in yeah. a lot of ways. But yes, uh, but you're right. You're right. Much more sort of predictable that those would be uh, eye-catching costumes than it would in, in, in a movie or in a show about chess. Um, so I say huzzah for Queen's Gambit and there yes. is no sequel planned and I hope that they are, are able to resist the call of extra money and I hope they leave it alone and don't make a second season and leave it be. I well, yeah, I, I hope not either. Um, what did you think of that last scene in the last episode? Um, you will have to remind me because I don't recall. She, she, it, it's after the tournament and she's walking down the, or she, she's about to go to the airport, I guess, to go home. But she, in being walked, she takes a little detour down this, uh, street, down a park where there are a bunch of old men playing chess. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, tell me what you thought. I didn't necessarily have a, a ready answer. I liked it because it because it showed now she can she can do this she can win right. without the drug right without booze right without help brilliant it's beautiful loved it that's fantastic uh, she's she's clean and she's free of the the things that held her back in the past there's a whole thing about apparently like a couple of her outfits are supposed to represent the white queen and the chessboard. Oh yeah. There's, there's all kinds of, I bet, I bet that there's layers and yeah. layers of stuff there that, um, Easter egg cinema. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So I'm going to shift gears. We've covered all of that stuff we have seen, but here's the thing. Okay. There's more stuff coming. There's so much stuff. What's coming. Um, and I'm not talking about like, you know, something like News of the World, which is already out there and something that we've talked about. Maybe we should we should be watching. I'm talking about stuff we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. And one of them, I think, might spark a little bit of a conversation with us. And I think it is justifiable in the context of having spoken about Fargo already. But I've seen trailers for and I am excited to check out uh, coming on CBS, a little show called Clarice. Oh yeah! A look at the untold it's personal a, I've story seen the ads for that. of the FBI agent of Clarice, Clarice Starling, Starling as she returns to the field about a year after the events of Silence of the Lambs. So it's a. Uh, see now, I'm not interested. You're not. You wanted an origin. For some story. reason, no, because you know what? For some reason, I thought it was going to cover her character before Silence of the Lambs. The origin story. Well, that's what I thought it was too. That's what I thought it was too. That would be an interesting 
story to tell. But in all fairness, she seems to be in training in Silence of the Lambs. She seems to be fresh off the out of the school in Silence of the Lambs. Because when we meet her, she's I, at well, I think she's actually literally in school. Right, that's what Science I mean. So the there wouldn't be any cases yeah. for her to, to solve prior to that, really. But in any case... Yeah, I guess I wasn't I wasn't thinking it was going to be cases so much as just horror and trauma. Or, I don't know. <laughs> her on the farm with the sheep. Um, yeah. That's funny. Well... I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to uh, to see what it I, has. I will probably I will probably check it out too. Um, and I don't think it's got a, got a bunch of people in it that we know. And I'm sure that uh, I, I can't imagine they will be so brazen as to have Hannibal Lecter in there if they can't get um, the the one and the only. But right. you know, maybe they will. Maybe they will. But I'm intrigued to see what they do with it. Is anyone going to play with themselves in this movie? <laughs> I don't know. Show. I meant I show. Don't know. Okay. So that's that's on my list, and I'm I'm interested to see it. And that's going to be regular television. I'll so check that it's out. It's not really streaming. And it's not going to be real racy either. Now here's a film that's coming up, and just I'm going to give you first. I'm going to give you the three actors who are in it, who are headlining it: Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. Rami Malek, mm-hmm. and Jared Leto. Yeah, I know the movie you're talking about. And I can't remember the name of it. It's called The Little Things. Yeah, that looks really interesting. And it's due out this month. It's going to be available streaming. Um, I don't know if it'll be in theaters and um, I'm not sure I know John Lee Hancock is the writer director. Yeah, that name is familiar. It looks like he was involved with the blind side and the highwaymen. Did you ever see the high? Well, it was highwaymen is, is Bonnie and Clyde told from the point of view of the cops. It's the Bonnie and Clyde story from the point of view of the cops with, um, Woody Harrelson and uh, Kevin Costner playing the two main and it's cops and it's a oh, it's a period okay. piece yeah and and those kinds of the job they had was colloquially known as being a highwayman uh, when you worked for the FBI and you traveled the country trying to find you know people and whatever it was yeah uh, he was also uh, that uh, writer director was also involved in saving Mr. Banks so he's got quite a good track record and I really do trust. Uh, I trust Denzel Washington a lot. He ends up in a, some junk. He ends up in some bad stuff. But, uh, I mean, Deja Vu, one of my favorites. Every time it's on, I record it and I watch it because I'm a sick man. But um, Yeah, why not just keep it? <laughs> that's true because I, I, you know, I, have to, I had to delete Barry Lyndon so I, could, so I could record Deja Vu. Wise move. Um, and then there's something I, I'm seeing on the cover of magazines right now and whatnot called Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, which uh, is got has Jesse Plemons in it, who I love from Breaking Bad and um, Fargo. I believe he was in a season of Fargo as well. Daniel Kaluuya is in it. Um, Martin Sheen and many, many others. And it is the story of Fred Hampton, the chairman of the Illinois Black Panther, Panther Party. Yeah. And his fateful betrayal by the FBI informant, William O'Neill. And that uh, it's going to yeah. be pretty fucking that, good. Yeah. I'm all over that. Yeah. All so over those that. are some exciting things that are on the horizon for, for streaming purposes. Indeed. We got to, we got to knock this off and go watch something else so we can get ready for the, for the next show. Yeah. I was going to say, we're cutting into your viewing schedule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My, my endless uh, viewing schedule. Ah, uh, listen, ladies and gentlemen, it has been delightful to have you with us. Thank you so much for returning or for joining us for the first time, if that may be the case. We are definitely grateful for now. And until next time, the doctors are out. <laughs>